The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Donald Trump is truly confused. Nikki Haley is in charge of security. We offered her 10,000 people. They don't want to talk about that. He didn't just get me confused. He mentioned it over and over and over again. He's not what he was in 2016. He has declined. That's a fact. I mean, we won last time. We won 50 states, right? This is not Donald Trump of 2016, guys. What? What is? If he is off the teleprompter, he can barely keep a, co- a cogent thought. I mean, that's just fact. We are an institute and a powerful death penalty. We will put this on. I think he's declining. I stumbled and mumbled purposely. I do speak in long, complex sentences. I have a lot of material in each sentence. You have voter ID to buy a loaf of bread. You have, you have ID to buy a loaf of bread. Have you noticed? He's a little confused these days. A person close to Trump actually says that he's rattled by Biden's efforts to get under his skin. I guess they, they really are going... It's one thing to hear Joe Scarborough uh, wax eloquently with the Trump is losing it mentally argument, but this is, a, this is a Joe Biden campaign ad. This is Joe Biden... You know, the one Van Jones says needs to stay in the basement for this campaign. This is Joe Biden saying that Donald Trump is mentally challenged. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. Can't believe we've flipped the page on the calendar. We're now, in th- now into the, the month of February. The year's already moving along. The year, the war in 24. We've got a, a featured article going by that title at the uh, front page of thetrumpet.com at this moment. Check that out over at our website. You can get to this show, this, uh, this program uh, at trumpetdaily.com or at the Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash trumpetdaily. You can join in on the conversation, the live conversation at Rumble. And uh, also leave some feedback and, of course, the thumbs up. We definitely need the thumbs up. So the Quinnipiac poll, (laughs) Biden, they they finally found a poll that has Trump trailing the fake president by six points. Evidently, Trump's losing all of the, the female vote. The women are leaving from, they're leaving Donald Trump in droves because of, uh, I guess, a tweet again? Is it, is it the tweets that are the problem? We'll see. We'll see how that this, uh, this plays out. But Drudge, I mean, they're really excited. They are really excited. And then here comes the Biden camp going after Donald Trump's mental stability. This from the man. He called the Gold Star family, you know, one of the three that were just killed in Jordan because of the Iranian drone attack. He called a Gold Star, fa- a gold star family and said that his son, Bo, <laughs> died in Iraq. So he knows exactly what this family is going through. His son died five years after he returned from Iraq. He died of brain cancer. 
This is a lie that he has told over and over again. And to see the, I think it's ABC, Martha Raddatz just going on and on with the report, not certainly not calling him out. You know, uh, well, just so that you know, we need to fact check what uh, President Biden just said there. His son actually didn't die in Iraq. No, but no, they just let it go because <laughs> it's Joe Biden. But Donald Trump, if he accidentally says Nikki Haley when he meant Nancy Pelosi, well, he's losing it, of course. He's, he is not fit for office mentally. He's, it's gone. He's lost it. Well, then let's get them together for uh, a few debates. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll let the American people look at the debate and watch it and consider it. God, just this morning in Principles of Living, I was talking about God giving us mind power so that we can uh, think and direct our ways and control our emotions, etc., etc., and it is terribly sad to see someone that begins to lose that mind power, to see dementia setting in. Both of these candidates are moving up there in age, but there's plenty of older people that are still as sharp as attack mentally, and others that struggle with mental problems. But for the Biden team to come out with this, as I say, it's one thing for the Scarborough people to talk about it around the round table. But I mean, you can't get any more rich than this. Julie Kelly had a really important piece about the collusion between Joe Biden's White House and the Trump prosecutors. Isn't it the way we've been saying for these many years? What they accuse you of, these persecutors, they're guilty of themselves. For three years, we heard Trump-Russia collusion. Collusion, 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 and people really didn't even know what that meant, like in the legal sense. Well, how were they colluding? How were they working together? But that was, you know, the regime media. They came out with that, and they just used it over and over again. And then you get to the end of the Mueller investigation and find that there was no collusion. Here's the Joe Obama people working with Jack Smith, Fannie Willis, Tish Jane, all of them coordinated the, coordinating this lawfare attack on their, their chief political opponent. Julie Kelly says, as Smith prepares for trial in D.C. and southern Florida, defense attorneys have uncovered a stunning trove of evidence that contradict claims that the Biden White House had nothing to do with the unprecedented federal prosecution of a former president and Biden's GOP rival in the 2024 general election. It's just like with us, our, as I mentioned on Tuesday's show, our lawsuit over Mystery of the Ages. I mean, over six years of litigation, you get more and more discovery. You get, in this case, some FOIA requests, and you begin to piece it all together. How that they went about this attack how that it was coordinated from the White House. It says here, emerging evidence also shows collaboration between White House officials and Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's office related to her RICO indictment against Trump and several uh, associates. As I mentioned earlier this week, I mean, it was one of those associates in, in a separate case, but related to the RICO charges uh, that had his attorneys actually go after Fannie Willis. Here again, 
God just reeling them into a trap. They can't help themselves. Well, we need, uh, we need millions of pages of discovery. Sure, here you go. Let's get on with this case and put him behind bars. Hang on a second. You mean, you mean this was coordinated from the White House? You said that it wasn't. <laughs> They're being exposed. It says, according to a lengthy defense motion filed January 16th, uh, that's interesting, filed on the 16th, in a classified documents case in Florida, the disturbing collusion extended beyond Biden's in-house lawyers and involved multiple government agencies dating back to January 2021. I mean, as soon as Biden gets in office, he starts working with the dear leader, of course, and then all these agencies that the dear leader weaponized. How are we going to get Trump? How are we going to keep him from ever coming back? Started back in 2021. These agencies included the National Archives and Records Administration, or NARA, the National Security Council, the FBI's Counterintelligence Division, the Intelligence Community, the Secret Service, and the Department of Energy. It's like we've said so many times before. Going up against all of this, how is Donald Trump even still standing? Now they're pulling this out of their hat. Yeah, he's lost it mentally. Okay, then. Okay. How does he, how does he stay strong? How is he where he is all the times that he was supposedly finished? There is a real spirit world, not just the spirit that Satan the devil is just bombarding this society with. But there is a God in heaven as well. And God has something to say about leaders that he shoves aside and others that he exalts. And we're going to see that play out one more time in the lead up to the return of Jesus Christ to this earth. God says that he'll do it. <laughs> That's how this man, Donald Trump, I mean, is still standing. Even after all of these attacks, these unhinged, deranged attacks, attacks coordinated by the most powerful people in government. Defense attorneys representing Trump and his two uh, co-defendants obtained 155 pages of communications between government officials, which are attached in heavily redacted form to the defense motion <laughs> all of these government officials okay here's what we got to do with alvin bragg uh, this is what we got to do with uh, letitia james uh yeah fanny willis we've got the rico cases going and then jack smith and the florida case too the moving boxes uh, jack smith oh yes insurrection all of it i mean just come at him from every angle the foia releases coupled with uh, other evidence scattered throughout more than 1.2 million pages of discovery reflect close participation in the investigation by NARA and uh, the Biden administration components, such as the White House Counsel's Office, senior officials at the DOJ and the FBI. I mean, this is unbelievable that it's happening in the United States of America. How is this even possible? Well, because the dear leader, Barack Obama, he had eight years to completely and totally revamp these agencies, to, to completely and thoroughly weaponize them. So that they could go, not after terrorists, but after political, political opponents. There was another article just today about how these January 6th protesters have been mistreated. These, these grave injustices, putting people behind bars for, what, waltzing through the rotunda and taking a few pictures. There was a story, it's later in my notes, a story where the Capitol Hill police said, you, you remember the homosexual pornographic film? that was filmed in Congress, in the congressional halls, in the congressional rooms, 
you know, the sacred capital, we were told. After January 6th, I mean, these Trump protesters, they invaded the sacred capital. Well, the Capitol Hill police has just determined to press no charges. No charges against the individual that was filming a pornographic homosexual sex act inside the walls, the sacred walls of Congress. That's okay. That's perfectly fine. That's perfectly normal in our Sodom and Gomorrah society. But public enemy number one, I mean, just anyone that supports Trump, he's crazy after all. He's not just Hitler, he's losing his mind. He can't function mentally. It says here, perhaps the most disturbing and not surprising, but jaw-droppingly shocking is it appears the DOJ has misrepresented the origins of the classified documents investigation. The DOJ claimed the FBI opened an investigation into Trump's mishandling of classified uh, files in March of 2022, only after the National Archives discovered papers with classified markings contained in 15 boxes of materials Trump turned over to the agency in January 2022. Listen to this, it gets better. But correspondence indicates that Biden's White House Office of Records Management and NARA's general counsel discussed what defense attorneys described as exaggerated claims related to records handling under the Presidential Records Act shortly after Biden took office. In other words, it was in motion in early 2021, before Donald Trump even handed over any of the boxes. NARA made it sound like, well, we got the boxes, we saw these classified markings where, you know, we were disturbed. No, no. No, no, that was all part of the theater. You know, the back and forth with Trump, and then they raided Mar-a-Lago. But before all of that, they were, the White House, that would be Joe Obama's White House, they were colluding with NARA and these other agencies to get this in motion. We've got to get him on the records. He's moving boxes. It says here, one redacted passage seems to indicate that NARA drafted a criminal referral related to an alleged violation of the Presidential Records Act and notified Biden's DOJ months before the archives even received the 15 boxes. And at the same time, Trump's representatives were working with the archives on which files to return. Totally cooperating, which you now look at it in hindsight and think, why did Trump's people even cooperate when they're dealing with these kinds of treasonous agents? Here's Trump cooperating. Which one? I should be able to keep these, and this, these are boxes I'll return, and go ahead and come on into our storage. Check out where we're uh, storing these documents. Uh, they're under lock and key. We've got Secret Service at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, the FBI just going in and out, and then all of a sudden, they unannounced, what was it, August of 2022? They just raid Mar-a-Lago for eight, ten, ten hours in a day. Yeah, they're, they're just sifting through Melania's uh, dresser, checking out her clothes, everything. You know, it's interesting when you put this Julie Kelly piece together with uh, another story from this week, this one uh, covered by The Federalist. I Again, one theme this week has been that it's been God just laying out a masterful trap to reel in these treasonous agents and to expose them as the real insurrectionists. We had our 
our Christian duty moment. That was the statement in Joe DeCotch Jr.'s book in 1997 where it undermined everything that they said in court, that they said in the presence of a judge, that, yeah, we're really serious about reproducing Mystery of the Ages in some form and making it available. Well, no. Joe DeCotch Jr. said in 97 that they didn't want to make it available. They wanted to bury it. They wanted to keep Mr. Armstrong's teachings out of circulation. They couldn't help themselves. They were responding to a, a, news, a newspaper advertisement campaign uh, by us. They were responding to one of our ads. It really angered them. We talked about their muddled approach and that they couldn't sell you know, a general audience on their teachings. When Mr. Armstrong, I mean, he spoke plainly and he referred to the Word of God and he told viewers of the, the World Tomorrow program and readers of The Plain Truth, look, blow the dust off your Bible and prove what I'm saying is true. And millions and millions of people followed that advice and read The Plain Truth, 8 million at its peak. He was on four, over 400 television stations in the mid-1980s. And that got under their skin when we talked about just how lame their religious message really and truly was. And so he came out in 97 and said, hey, this is, this is our goal. We're using the copyright law or the copyright ownership we have of this book to keep it out of print. Maybe this is another Christian duty moment for the dear leader. This is from The Federalist. A secret Obama-era executive action may have authorized former President Donald Trump to keep presidential records at Mar-a-Lago. This is a secret, here, another secret executive action by the dear leader back in 2014 when he firmly believed that, look, if it comes, if it comes across the president's desk, that's mine. Okay, that doesn't belong to the federal government. No, this is information that belongs to me. I'm the dear leader. I can do whatever I want with documents. And Joe Biden, he subscribes to the same thinking. He's got boxes all over the world that are floating around. Top secret, classified. They can do it, you see. They can move boxes, documents, wherever they want. And, and so much so that Obama... The dear leader, he took executive action to say that this is, this is lawful. In October of 2014, Russian hackers breached the executive office of the president's network. Months later, President Obama created, via executive action, the Presidential Information Technology Committee, that's P-I-T-C, purportedly to, to protect EOP, that's uh, the executive office of the president, to, to protect EOP information by moving systems onto Department of Defense servers. Now, again, we're getting a little bit into the weeds here, but follow along. This is fascinating. It says here, the PITC executive order and documents obtained from litigation reveal how President Obama asserted an aggressive position on presidential control over information. PITC, if the president accessed data, uh, it was presumptively his. Under PITC, it's his, it's his data. It's his information. He's the president. And he can have it when he leaves office as well. 
That's why Obama stored all these classified documents in, in warehouses somewhere in downtown Chicago. That's why Biden had them in his garage behind the Corvette. Because they're entitled to. Of course, Biden wasn't even president, was he? Not, not before he came fake pre- became fake president in 2021, I mean. He was a senator, then vice president, had the classified docs at the Pennsylvania University office, at the garage, like I said, behind the Corvette. It says, given no public evidence that the PITC order was ever rescinded, Obama's position has legal consequences for former President Trump and his various indictments concerning records ingeni- originating from the government. First... PITC creates a presumption that the president controls virtually all of the data he receives. I'm not sure how this gets worked into the lawsuits, the court case, over the documents. But uh, hopefully, hopefully President Trump's attorneys are moving on this. Hey, if Obama increased his powers... If he expanded his powers with respect to classified documents and what he could do with them, then how are you going to come along with Jack Smith and others and say, yeah, Trump, he couldn't take those, those uh, commemorative napkins back to Mar-a-Lago with him. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's a national security nightmare right there. You see how they hold the bad orange man to this ridiculously, this ridiculously high standard. It's not even constitutional. Presidential Records Act, <laughs> immunity, all of these things that Obama would have, hap- his lawyers would have happily claimed, yeah, I got immunity. I was a president. I had the right to those documents, those records. And then when the tables turn, you see how they use these same statutes to, to actually target the opposition. to tar- In this case, to target Donald Trump. The PITC memo established the president's exclusive control, that's in direct quotes, exclusive control over information, resources, and systems provided to him. The memo created the presumption that information contained on information systems and resources was EOP information. That's the executive or the office of the president. Because the memo relied upon the Federal Records Act's definition of information system as resources organized for the use and disposition of information, the memo purports to give the president exclusive control over the information he receives. It show, you know, besides showing the double standard, one you know, for Barack Obama and one for Donald Trump, uh, this also shows how all these agencies, including NARA, have, have just been infiltrated and, and corrupted by radical left-wing communist ideologues. For sure. It says here, if, P, if PITC still existed for President Trump, then all the records Trump received were presidential records and not federal records. How about that? Well, hey, tell the judge. If Obama, if they all belong to Obama... How, in the case of Trump, do they not all belong to Trump? He was a president. He's a former president, just like Obama is. It's pretty amazing. When we come back, we'll take a quick break. We've got lots more news to get to, but we'll uh, segue into that following a short promo. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can reach us at td at We'll be right back. 
news, Bible prophecy. See the connection on The Trumpet Daily. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the flood of news and information? You need something to sift the news and bring you only what matters most. You need The Trumpet Daily. You also need something to help you understand not just what's happening now, but what will happen next. You need The Trumpet Daily. Only The Trumpet Daily accurately matches daily news to precise Bible prophecies. Because Bible prophecy is the only tool up to the task of sifting the news down to what's important and showing you what will happen next. Join host Stephen Fleury every weekday. Go to TrumpetDaily.com. So we've always had a length of stay policy here, which was generally individual adults could stay for 14 days and families could stay for 37 days. We paused it for about four to six weeks during very, very cold times in November and December. Every hotel room we have in the city of Denver is full. We're at 5,000 people in shelter and we have more coming every day. Yeah, I think our city is very close to its breaking point now and we've been talking to leaders in DC around the country about why we need to take action here. I think we have successfully welcomed almost 40,000 migrants in the last year. And that's the, uh, the mayor of Denver saying that his city has reached a breaking point. Every state in the union is now a border state. Every state is Texas. Every state is New Mexico. Every state is Arizona. Because, well, in the case of Denver, you've got 40,000 migrants added to the city just in the last year. He says all of the hotel rooms in Denver are full. And the people in Denver are outraged. They're seeing what, they're not alone. Look at the people in Chicago. Look at the ones in New York City. You've got illegal immigrants attacking, attacking law enforcement, attacking police officers. They're let out the next day, or, or maybe the same day, I forget. And then he comes out, one of them anyway, with these obscene gestures at the cameras, at law enforcement. <laughs> ha ha, I'm illegal. I'm in, I'm out, I'm back on the streets. I've got a rap sheet, doesn't matter. I'm in the great United States. Free housing, free handouts, free healthcare, free education, free everything. Look at, where, as far as where we are as a society, what we're doing to defend, to empower, to strengthen the criminal element among us. It's insanity. It's like Genesis 6 says, the earth, this is before the flood, the earth is just filled with violence. No wonder. We're actually inviting the criminals in. We're not putting them behind bars. We're letting them roam the streets. Just the news, it says, some Democrats and the White House have acknowledged that President Biden could take executive actions to better secure the U.S. border without additional legislation passed by Congress. He could. He, he, Donald Trump did this. He had all these people fighting against him to not build the wall. And he got 500 miles up, up as it was. And then he closed the, the, the border. He had the Remain in Mexico policy. He wasn't just catching them and releasing them like Joe Obama's people do. He actually closed the border. 
And then when Joe Obama comes in, they open it. Like I've said this week, everything else is noise. The policy is open borders entirely. Send them to Denver, send them to Chicago, send them to New York, send them all over the place. Six to 10 million of them, just in three years' time. Pressure is mounting on Biden to issue executive orders to address the border crisis after he rescinded many Trump-era border executive orders upon taking office. He rescinded them. <laughs> you know, again, three, for three years they said, hey, the border is perfect. It's perfectly safe. It's perfectly secure. But now you see we're in an election year. And finally, there's some news. Finally, there's some news outlets that are actually shining the light on this invasion. And so Joe Obama is in a difficult position, just like with respect to Iran. You know, Iran can kill our soldiers in Jordan. And uh, then, you know, we'll have to try to come up with some kind of measured response. Of course, it's got to be proportionate. But also, we don't want to offend the mullahs because the mullahs and Barack Obama, I mean, they're two sides of the same coin. They're, I mean, ideologically, they're perfectly aligned. It says here, Biden unilaterally ended the border emergency that Trump had implemented after he took office in January 2021. You just go back and look. This was the first thing on the agenda for Joe Obama. Hey, we've got to open up the borders. We've got to invite the world in. Senator Ron Johnson, he was talking about how just how passionate Mitch McConnell and company are about really protecting Ukraine's border, but, but not so much when it comes to the southern border here in the U.S. This is clip three. I think the priorities of Mitch McConnell are wrong. I think the priorities of the President Biden and, and Chuck Schumer are wrong. They're more concerned about Ukraine and protecting its border than our own. We obviously have a crisis at our southwest border. It is a clear and present danger to America. When FBI Director Ray says that all the warning signs are flashing, that uh, you know the threat from foreign terrorist organizations are as high as they've been since 9-11, if not higher. All of these threats, terrorists even, and of course the criminals, the drug trafficking, the human trafficking, the child sex trafficking, all that we're inviting into the United States. Even Governor Hochul, there's a story here from the New York Post, she, uh, she suggested deporting the, uh, the migrants that were caught on camera beating up the police officers. Governor Hochul! I mean, she's blue through and through. How could she come out with something so racist? Send them back home. Democrats aren't supposed to say that, are they? Deport them? That's how bad it is. I assume the Denver mayor is blue through and through as well. I, I didn't have time to check before the show. But there he is. Yeah, we want to welcome them all in, but we just need more help from the feds. We need more funding. We need more billions. We, we need more taxpayer-funded uh, programs so that we can welcome them in as a sanctuary city, as a loving, compassionate sanctuary city. Look at what we're doing just all across society to, as I say, to empower the criminal element and, and to hurt people that are law-abiding citizens. You, you probably saw the the contrast with you know these people going in and and tearing down statues of thomas jefferson you know any of the founders that's fine free speech right and plus they're racist so tear them down 
And then there's the guy in Iowa who tears down this statue of Satan, and they're going after him for hate crimes. The other ones tear down the, fo- the founders, no problem, we'll protect your rights. But if a religious guy goes in and tears down a statue of Satan, that's something we just can't tolerate. This is from the post-millennial. Michael Cassidy has been charged with a hate crime for beheading a statue of Satan at the Iowa Capitol. Cassidy drove up to Iowa after the satanic display was erected in the state capitol and took it down. He will be arraigned on February 15th. Polk County prosecutors charged Cassidy with felony third-degree criminal mischief, saying that he acted in violation of individual rights under Iowa's hate crime statute, statute, the the Des Moines Register reports. Hate crime. You've got to protect the rights of the Satan worshipers. If the Satan worshipers put up a statue of Satan, you've got to make sure that it's safe, that it's guarded, that it's protected. You see, this was Jesse Waters' commentary on this development last night, clip eight. For years, the left has been tearing down statues of our founding fathers. They hate the white men who created the greatest document and country on earth. Very few of those rioters were charged. Because when a liberal beheads a statue of Thomas Jefferson, that's good old-fashioned free speech. Statue toppling wasn't just tolerated, it was encouraged by Washington's most powerful people. Beheading Thomas Jefferson was free speech, but a man who toppled a statue of Satan is being charged with a hate crime. So the devil was erected at the Iowa State Capitol by a satanic temple right next to the nativity scene in an intentionally provocative and disrespectful act. So before Christmas, a guy beheaded the Satan statue. And a Democrat prosecutor is now charging Cassidy with a hate crime for removing Satan's statue. It's a hate crime to take down Satan. It's a hate crime to move Satan away from baby Jesus. And Cassidy's facing jail time. And before you play devil's advocate and say, come on, Waters, Toppling a Satan statue is an attack on religious freedom. Know this. The Satanic Temple admits Satan isn't even their God. All right, so you're probably going to go to hell, right? I I don't believe in hell. We're a (laughs) non-theistic religious group. Okay, so how can it be a hate crime to remove a statue put up by a made-up religious group? If you just toppled George Washington, he'd be off scot-free. He's exactly right. You got to go after Washington, Jefferson, but, but, but not Satan. <laughs> now, what does that tell you about the world we're living in today? The communist infiltration of the United States. Herbert Armstrong used to pound away at the podium. This is not God's world. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It's Satan's world. And Satan loves to be worshipped. So, there's just so, you look at some of these people, even the, the guy that uh, Jesse Waters brought on, the Satan worshipper, I mean, there's just so much bizarre, deranged behavior today. Who's responsible for this? What's behind it? Here again, Genesis 6. It says that the earth was filled with violence. 
You go after grandma after she walks through Congress on January 6th, put her in jail for a few months, even if she's got cancer, it doesn't matter. She's dangerous. And then this from Fox News. The U.S. Capitol Police announced Thursday that they've declined to press charges following the filming of a sex video that was recorded inside the Hart Senate office building on the morning of Wednesday, December 13th. They've got, they know the date, they've got the film, they were caught in the act, and the Capitol Hill police is not going to press charges. Certainly not. It was just a homosexual sex act for, you know, a pornographic site somewhere. What's the big deal? Sex and violence. Promiscuous sex and rampant violence. That's what was happening in the days leading up to the flood. And what did God do about that universal sin that had spread over the, the, the earth? What did he do about Sodom and Gomorrah when they were so drenched in sin that God had to practically drag out Lot and his family before both cities were torched from heaven above? Yesterday, you might have seen some, uh, some footage or some clips of this, uh, this Senate committee hearing where they brought in the Facebook guy, Zuckerberg, and had him answer for all of the, the pedophilia and pornography that's trafficked on Facebook and Instagram. And in some cases, some extreme cases, content that, that leads to young people being abused or even killed. And the big, I guess the big viral clip was when Senator Josh Hawley got Zuckerberg to turn around and to, you know, face some of these victims and apologize to them. But, you know, in so many ways, it's just, it's all theater, isn't it? You know, like penalizing Zuckerberg, who's worth $140 billion, is going to somehow eliminate this problem of sex trafficking and pedophilia and pornography and rape? If we remove it from Facebook, is that going to take care of it? Well, before I get ahead of myself, here's Holly on one of the shows last night. Um, probably about, I guess, about the best soundbite that there was to come out from this. But in, in so many ways, I mean, that's all that these hearings are really set up for, just to get the soundbite. But what's ever done? To actually change the problems. To actually put away sin. This is clip seven. Listen, Mark Zuckerberg's worth $140 billion. If he devoted just 10% of that to helping victims, think what he could do for these families. And by the way, if he would actually change his platform and not allow pedophiles and, and sex predators on there, he could do a service to every family in America. I'll just say this, Sean, he seems to have all the time and attention in the world to censor conservatives. Facebook leapt at the opportunity to censor any questions about COVID, to label people who had COVID vaccine questions as, uh, as, as potential terrorists. If you question the Hunter Biden laptop, they shut you down. But yet they can't lift a finger to take sex predators off their platform. I don't buy it. They won't. He's right. He's right. They go after conservatives. They meddled in the election. They colluded with the deep state to make sure that Biden could get in there, to make sure that the Hunter laptop was suppressed. Happened at Twitter, happened at Facebook, happened all across social media. They censored the truth. 
And meanwhile, they let this sort of thing go on. And it's not just Facebook and Instagram. It's, it's at Twitter or X as well. But they won't go after Elon Musk or they won't go after Mark Zuckerberg. They'll just give them a tongue lashing at a hearing and then nothing will ever change. And, and by the way, you, you, could, you could criticize Zuckerberg all that you want. What about a parent that would just hand over a powerful iPhone to their nine-year-old and say, here, unrestricted access to any website or app or anything you want. It's a problem or a sickness that goes head to toe, doesn't it? Of course, it's horrible. That the, you know, if you had 140 billion, you would think if you're, if you're really interested in, in helping humanity, that maybe put five or 10% of that toward just carefully monitoring or restricting this kind of filth. I mean, you own the platform. They won't do it. And of course, the government, they won't do anything about it either. The government, I mean, people in government are filming homosexual videos in Congress. So there you go. Are people really serious about solving these problems? About addressing any of these problems? The Capitol Hill police, so sanctimonious after January 6th. Look, look, this is a sacred, this is a sacred government institution. We've got to go after grandma and put her behind bars. The homosexual sex video, that's not such a big deal. We're not going to even press charges on that one. We want to protect actual criminals, you see. We want to give them more space to destroy. That's right. We want to let the tantrums play out. I was talking about this in Principles this morning. You know, the modern thinking in child rearing, a little kid has a tantrum at two, just let it run. Let it run its course. And then you get to the Baltimore mayor in whatever it was, 2015, after the Freddie Gray <laughs> incident. She's saying, hey, law enforcement, stand down. Just stand down and let these rioters and looters have their way. Let the tantrum just play out. That's uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why we have a society that's just filled with violence. It's not just Zuckerberg's fault. Parents are the ones. They're the ones that should be carefully protecting, guarding the minds of their children, their precious little children, putting parental restrictions on what people, their own children, can or cannot see. That's using some God family government authority in a righteous way. But few, few, fewer and fewer parents, politicians, social media gurus, social media giants are willing to do or even really say anything about it. They'll have a hearing here and there, get a, get a good soundbite or two, make Zuckerberg apologize in public, and then things will just return back to the way that it is or always has been. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. Second Timothy 3 and verse 1 and then verse 13 too, I think it is. Speaking of parents just handing over the iPhones to their children, this is from The Atlantic. It says, researchers such as Jonathan Haidt and Gene Twenge have shown that various measures of student well-being began a sharp decline around 2012 
throughout the West just as smartphones and social media emerged. So added to all the filth, I mean these devices that so many young people are addicted to, it's just making us stupid, that's all. It's just making our, the oncoming generation dumber. So why would you just hand it over to your child, to these young little ones with such impressionable minds, with super absorbent minds? God created us to crave information and knowledge, to crave even the truth. But Satan's the god of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. And, uh, you know, a lot of young people, they're consuming this filth in large quantities, hours and hours on end, just filling up on the things of the devil. So what's driving down student scores around the world? This uh, PISA report offers three reasons to suspect that phones are a major culprit. First, PISA finds that students who spend less than one hour of leisure time on digital devices a day at school scored about 40 points higher in math than students whose eyes are glued to their screens more than five hours a day. It's, it's, you know, the sad part of this study, I think it went on for like, what, 10, 12 years? Really? Hello? It, it took you a 12-year study to figure out that being glued to a device with all these social media apps and who knows what kind of filthy content that you're consuming, that, that that's actually going to hurt you academically. I, mean, I think I could have told you that in 2012. Second, screens seem to create a general distra distraction throughout school. Surprise, surprise. It's, it's actually a distraction when you're just continually looking back at this flashing screen on your phone. Finally, nearly half of students across the OECD said that habits uh, scored lower, said that they felt nervous, sorry, they felt nervous or anxious when they did, didn't have their digital devices near them. And then later on in this article, it says banning phones in school would be a bold and novel experiment. That's what it, that's what it comes down to. It's a novel experiment. It's not really practical. Well, they ought to come visit our Imperial Academy or the college. I mean, you do see some reports out there of, you know, dumb phones making a comeback because people see how destructive these devices are. They can be used for good purposes, of course, but most people lack the discipline and the focus and the concentration that they need to use it for the right purposes. So many of us, so many of us, <laughs> just so weak and given to those those carnal influences and impulses and we just cave in at the very least it's just a huge waste of time or a distraction like this article brings out in the worst cases though you've got some really disgusting and appalling behavior and activity going on that, that that's being facilitated and connected through these devices this is uh well, I've got a few stories here with respect to the economy, just to come back to this war in 24. They're going to throw everything they have at Donald Trump to say he's crazy or deranged or Hitler or dangerous or whatever, even as the country 
Our once great nation goes up in flames. From the New York Post, it says many Americans are woefully unprepared to handle an unexpected expense less than half. 44% could afford to pay a $1,000 emergency cost from their savings, according to a recent bank rate survey. This, uh, this article is about how that inflation has just basically washed away the value of any rainy day funds that Americans had and a lot of Americans don't have a rainy day fund. But those that do, they're seeing the, the value of their money just evaporate away. And again, to say after skyrocketing inflation, if it goes from here in 2021 up to here in 2023, and then 2024, it finally levels off. That's what the, the Biden people are out there, you know, really promoting and, and championing. They're saying, yeah, inflation has, uh, has lowered the pace of it has, but you're still way up here. You st- and people who have no rainy day savings, believe me, they notice if bread or eggs or whatever else is 30, 40% higher than it was a few years ago. Listen to the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, talking about the economy, clip six. It's a good labor market, and we've seen inflation come down. We've talked about that. So we've got six months of good inflation data and an expectation that there's more to come. So this is, this is, a, this is a good situation, let's be honest. This is, a, this is a good economy. Let's be honest, yeah. Yeah, let's, this is a good economy. Everything's working out great. This is from uh, the Center Square. Inflationary woes, more chain stores closed in 2023, and it continues into this year. It says, more chain stores closed in 23 as a result of high inflationary costs, with the trend continuing in 2024, led by the iconic department store Macy's. I think I touched on this just the other day. But uh, it says further, Last May, discount retailer Tuesday morning announced it was closing its doors nationwide after being in business for 49 years. Home goods chain Christmas tree shops filed for bankruptcy and liquidated all of its stores, as did the largest bridal store chain in the U.S., David's Bridal, laying off tens of thousands of employees. And yet Biden's people are out there saying what? Yeah, everything's perfect. Is it? Pharmaceutical giants, CVS and Walgreens, also closed stores as cost-cutting measures. CVS announced it planned to close 900 locations by the end of 2026, with store closures uh, came diluted earnings per share for shareholders. It says, after reporting over $170 million in earnings losses, Walgreens announced it was closing 450 stores to cut costs. Well, they're not making a profit, so how can you blame them? Listen to Representative Presley. I think she's one of the squad members in the House. She can't believe that Walgreens would close up any of its stores in the inner city. <laughs> she, she knows. I mean, she knows. if she had the power, she'd force Walgreens to stay there. This is clip five. 
Walgreens is planning to close yet another pharmacy in the Massachusetts 7th, this time on Warren Street in Roxbury, a community that is 85% black and Latino. This closure is a part of a larger trend of abandoning low-income communities like the previous closures in Mattapan and Hyde Park, both in the Massachusetts 7th. When a Walgreens leaves a neighborhood, they disrupt the entire community and they take them and they take with them baby formula, diapers, asthma inhalers, life-saving medications, and of course, jobs. These closures are not arbitrary and they are not innocent. They are life-threatening acts of racial and economic discrimination. Easy for her to say. Racism, it's gotta be racism. Everything does. Everything has to be racism. They're not making a profit. And inflation, so many of these businesses have been struggling for years and it was made worse by the rampant violence and looting and burning and stealing that we're supposed to just accept. I mean, these are AOC and those same people are out there saying, look, if if they don't have food on the table, they've got to go into Walgreens and shoplift. They've got to provide for their family. And Walgreens should just say, hey, come on in, take whatever you want, as long as it's under $1,000. And, uh, you know, we'll take the hit for it. How about if we crack down on the, the criminals? How about if we crack down on the criminals to save some of these companies, these businesses? I mean, you think about CVS and Walgreens, particularly when you know how addicted to drugs and pharmaceuticals we are as a society, you would think they'd be putting, putting up more just because of that alone. If they can't make it in the city, I mean, that tells you something. Not just about crime and violence, but about inflation. How easy it is for these people that have been actively working to to defund and to undermine and to handcuff law enforcement, that they're now out there saying, listen, Walgreens must be racist. How dare you leave the inner city where you're losing money hand over fist every single day? This article says fast food chains, Pizza Hut and and the Boston Market, also closed locations in multiple states. Now, at the beginning of 2024, the iconic department store Macy's announced it's closing five stores nationwide and laying off 3.5% of its workforce. But don't worry. Don't worry. Jerome Powell says we got to be honest. This economy is perfect. That's all we have time for on today's show. Unfortunately, you are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>